Hi everybody, it's Ben Thompson here. Welcome to the Import-Export Podcast. Today we're talking about the new IMO 2020 regulations. Uh, if you're involved in shipping, then you've probably already heard of the IMO 2020 regulations that are due to come into effect in the industry on the 1st of January in 2020. Uh, today we're joined by Michael Blake from Scope3. Um, Michael is a specialist in the field of logistics emissions. And today we're going to discuss uh, how IMO 2020 will affect shipping rates and the industry as a whole. Uh, Michael, welcome to the show. Thanks, Ben. Good to be here. Uh, so before we get started, Michael, um, can you tell me just a bit about the experience you've had uh, in the shipping industry and um, how that's led to the work you guys are doing at Scope 3? Sure, sure. Um, yeah, look, like many of us, um, I've been in the shipping game for many years and about four or five years ago, we started to look at, um, uh, I guess, sustainability in shipping. There was uh, obviously a movement away from fossil fuel use in a range of um, other energy sectors and across the community. And, and um, we started to think about how that translated to, um, I guess, our back, uh, backyard being, being shipping and transport. And um, largely we found that there wasn't a lot of sophistication or, or tools in the market to allow companies to measure um, the greenhouse gas footprint from, from transport, sea shipping, um, air freight. Um, and therefore, there, was, it was, there still is a real inability to be able to uh, influence and manage those greenhouse gas emissions. So the Scope 3 business was really formed um, you know, to help um, companies um, get some transparency into this part of the business and understand some of the um, shifts in the agenda around um, in transport and shipping that started to focus in, um, uh, in, in sustainability. Yeah, yeah. Well, obviously, uh, well, then with the IMA 2020, I, I guess it's becoming more of a hot topic and more of an important um, important thing that, um, you know, businesses need to evaluate along their supply chains. Absolutely, yeah. And, and of course, it is new. So this is the, this is one of the challenges is, is being able to, um, I guess, translate what is the changing agenda within the IMO and different um, um, industry bodies um, and translate that through to the shippers who are, um, facing just the day-to-day -day challenges of moving their products around the place and just trying to give them some insights into why things are changing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, so I guess there's, there's plenty going on behind the scenes uh, as we lead up to the 1st of January. Um, so to get started, I mean, what can you explain uh, what the IMO 2020 regulations relate to um, yeah. and why they're actually being enforced uh, in the industry? Sure, sure. So the IMO 2020 was, the target was, was set back in um, 2016 and it relates to the sulphur content in fuel. Mm -hmm. So um, up until uh, well, 2019, the current allowable tolerance is 3.5% um, sulphur in fuel. Mm -hmm. uh, as of the 1st of January 2020, that um, sulphur content needs to be 0.5%. Um, and sulphur within fuel has been on a downward trajectory over a number of years, but this is probably the most um, significant shift in recent terms, um, times I should say. Um, so yeah, it's basically around uh, cleaning up um, the, the amount of sulphur within the fuel, um, bringing it more in line. I mean, domestic trucking and, and um, uh, landside um, fuel um, compliances had a much lower sulphur tolerance. Mm -hmm. um, and um, the, obviously the sulfur in fuel is what causes um, acid rain. So it's, um, it's a, um, a, not a good thing to be breathing in. And that's kind of why I guess we've seen 
emissions control areas. Um, there's been some early adoption of emissions control areas in other parts of the world that have actually um, uh, reduced the amount of sulphur around coastal areas for a number of years. So in Europe, they've been in place for a while and in the US. So this is really just bringing it to a global level that um, you know, we all need to um, um, be um, moving in the right direction. Mm, absolutely. So, so when it comes to um, the carriers' options in reducing those sulphur oxide emissions, um, what what actual options uh, do they have to to do that? Yeah. Look, to put it simply, there's there's probably two main options. The first one being change the the fuel type that they they're using. Um, the um, heavy fuel oil at the minute is uh, is quite crude and and um, um, it's certainly low cost. Um, so the alternative to that is to move to um, fuels that are, have been more refined and have um, less sulphur content. There's yep. also alternative fuels, fuels like uh, LNG, which are more um, strategic, um, uh, I guess, deployments by the carriers. Um, there are a la large number of um, vessels already in operation that need to be looking for alternative fuels. So LNG plays a role in the, the future and, 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 and certainly biodiesel and these other products. So fuel is, is one way to go about it. Um, the other way is to um, fit uh, what are called scrubbers to the vessels. And um, I guess there's two main variants to those. There's a, an open loop and a, a closed loop scrubber. Yep. Um, just to drill into that a bit more, the, the open loop scrubber um, goes through a process of removing the sulphur um, from the exhaust fumes, um, but then has the ability to, to, I guess, release that water into the oceans. Um, a closed loop scrubber keeps all that um, uh, sulphur water, if you like, on board the vessel to be discharged in a sort of a more managed way. Um, the, the, I guess the two main differences there, you've got a, an operational expense. Uh, if the carriers are going down the, the, um, the f um, change in the fuel type, whereas the scrubbers are a, more of a capex um, expenditure, sort of in the realm of, uh, depending on who you ask, up to $5 million to fit a or retrofit a scrubber to an existing vessel, um, mm. possibly less if it's a new vessel. Mm. Um, and this is where the, the carriers are sort of grappling and, and um, hedging around where they'll make their investment to be compliant. And and where do you see them actually making the most change? Are they, are they, is it change sort of lending towards uh, changing fuel types or installing scrubbers or a mix of both? Or what's going on in the industry right now to prepare... Yeah, look, I think largely it's going to be uh, more on the fuel side. Um, I think, uh, to probably to be blunt, the industry is, has left its run a little late um, and the ability or the, the, um, yeah, the ability to fit scrubbers is sort of at capacity. So there's only a certain amount of um, scrubbers that were able to be fit within the time frame. Yeah. I'm not exactly sure on what that number is, but that, that is sort of that capacity. Yeah. Um, anything outside who hasn't already, any of the carriers that haven't already locked in getting scrubbers in place um, some time ago will be in the market um, buying fuel. So it's largely a, a, um, you know, going to be a fuel play, but certainly there are scrubbers in the market. Okay, yeah. cool. So we've got the shipping lines that have to make these changes to meet the regulations, um, which is to you know reduce emissions. Um, but I guess, you know, people are going to be, wondering like how is this actually going to affect the shipping rates um you know um shipping rates tend to be go up and down over the years and they um seem to be a lot of different surcharges involved in the industry already but 
how is the fuel prices or the actual sea freight rates going to be affected by these changes? That's the million dollar question. I, um, yeah, I think that the logistics industry and forwarding and, you know, and shipping, there is, um, there has been you know, a few questions around certain surcharges in the past. And I think that makes it a, a challenge for both the shippers and the, the, the logistics industry, you know, to, um, um, to deliver these um, costs and increases, increases. Um, but what we're seeing is that um, it's, um, you know, it, it, there will be an increase in cost, the quantum of which um, I think a lot of people aren't really clear on yet, including the shipping lines. Um, yeah. The whole, uh, on the fuel side, the supply and demand, um, uh, also the supply of the low sulfur fuel still has a fair way to play out and how that's going to impact pricing. So um, I think the first 12 months we'll be learning a lot. Um, and I think the key that the way that um, we're seeing is that um, the, the carriers are approaching is trying to give shippers transparency to, um, um, I guess, fluctuations or movement in the bunker price by extracting out um, you know, if they're all in rates that you're typically buying from a, a forward or a shipping line is now removing that bunker element to be uh, sitting outside your rate profile and, and more floating, um, which obviously... Um, gives the shipper transparency to um, particular movements in the bunker because their, their price will be going uh, up or down. Um, I guess for us, the key is that um, is to, you know, we sort of see from both sides is that, you know, a, 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 obviously there'll be increased costs. Uh, these costs are real for the shipping lines. So I think that's an important thing to understand is that it's, it's not a, um, you know, a dodgy a surcharge that's just um, um, being um, levied on the shippers. As always, shippers need to be um, keep themselves informed to make sure that they're in line with changing market conditions. So making sure that you know as bunker prices are coming off, that their bunker prices are going down. So there's an element to that. But um, uh, obviously, the key here is that the, the charge is real. Um, understanding the market changing market conditions as best they can by staying close to their shipping line providers. Uh, but then also to ultimately understand that uh, that the the reason for the increase in cost is to clean up the shipping industry to bring it in line with sort of other um, um, transport modes that, um, you know, sulphur in the environment is, is ultimately not a good thing. So it's, you know, it's a, it's a good cause at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. So I guess, um, you know, shippers, they have to be aware that the bunker price could fluctuate um, a lot more than it has done in the past. Um, what, what are some good, uh, tips or resources that shippers can can be monitoring to to understand um, in advance, if possible, you know how 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 the rates are going to go up or down, or and by how much. Like what? How can they how can they keep a, an eye on that? Yeah, it's a great question, and um, I wish we had a silver bullet to that at the minute. But um, I think the key is to um, stay connected to the industry and stay connected to your shipping line and, and logistics providers. Yeah. Um, I, I think shipping lines have the best line of sight to what's happening in the fuel markets without sort of heading off and be, um, becoming a fuel export expert in, in fuel markets, mm -hmm. um, keeping close to your shipping line partners and understanding what they're seeing in, in, in the trends is really important. Yeah. Um, and try to have a really open dialogue about that to say um, 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 for them to understand that, for pricing purposes, um, transparency and 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 I guess um, um, a good line of sight to where the, the trends are heading is really important to ensure that we don't 
you know, start to induce um, freight risk in terms of our, our pricing um, for import or export product uh, is really important. So, uh, yeah, to, to, I guess to answer your question, it's, it's, it's really important to keep in close contact with the carriers, um, keep in contact with the industry, industry bodies that you're in, involved with to see um, yeah. where the trends are heading. Yeah. Yeah, I hope they can provide, um, you know, really open communications and good resources because, like you said, it's about communicating that information all the way down the supply chain, whether it be from the shipping lines, from a forwarder um, or whoever they're dealing with. If, if, if they're not communicating these changes and price rises, I think it's going to cause, you know, some pretty upset people. But if it's communicated in the right way, maybe it, um, you know, be a bit more, people will be a bit more understanding. Correct. Yeah. As I said before, I think that there will be a, a sharp learning curve, uh, mm-hmm. and I think everyone needs to be as, as prepared as they can for the um, um, for the first quarter next year. Um, like anything, uh, you know, we expect that it will settle down over time, mm-hmm. but um, I think people need to be um, really tuned to it in the initial first first twelve months. That's for sure. Mm. And I guess um, that these increased costs um, are essentially going to be, you know, passed on to the end consumer. Um, you know, biz- businesses um, can only absorb so much, so much cost. Maybe you know. Do you think that they will be absorbing these costs, or do you think that the costs will, you know, nearly all of that will be passed on to the consumers, and, and will the will the consumers be understanding about that? Yeah, look, it's a good question. I mean, um, the if we go back to the point that it's the the idea is right that shipping needs to sort of play its role in in, in cleaning itself up around uh, this, obviously the sulfur issue, but then ultimately greenhouse gas and, and um, moving out to 2050, some of this carbon, carbon reduction um, strategies that will start to be deployed. So I think it's, um, it's certainly for, for, for ours, it's a cost that um, is relevant to be passed on to consumers. I mean, we're seeing buying or consumer patterns uh, you know sort of leaning towards consumers being willing to pay that you know a little bit more if they know that it comes from a sustainable sort of supply chain so I think um, um, certainly passing on costs to, to clean up transport um, we shouldn't be um, too adverse to but you know um, I guess that's not always straightforward mm-hmm. um, and, and our ability to articulate to the consumer uh, these sort of very industry specific changes is probably quite difficult so um, I think it's a challenge, but um, ultimately, um, the, these, this agenda around um, the shift in, in focus within the IMO around sustainability is not, um, this is not going to be an isolated, um, uh, um, I guess, change. The IMO 2020, we'll expect that there will be um, uh, more discussions around um, these sorts of initiatives in, in years to come. So I think it's important that shippers understand that this is a changing landscape and, and, and um, be open to learning about it and, and, and obviously um, seeing how that fits in with their, their business, their, their brand and these sorts of things. Mm. So I guess it comes to how they communicate and market that to their, their clients and their consumers too, to, to get that message across. So it's, um, yeah, it's not just an, uh, an increase in price, it's sort of um, communicated as, as to why that's actually happening. Correct, exactly. Yeah, okay. Um, so when it comes to the shipping invoices, um, so if it's going to be a fluctuation in the bunker charges, is, is that the only thing that uh, shippers need to keep an eye on when it comes to invoices? Like, will, it, will it be reworded or what will that look like? If, you know? Yeah, I think the challenge is that 
um, each of the shipping lines will have their own um, approach to it. Whilst the fundamentals might be similar, the the, the um, terminology around what they're going to, how they're going to tag the specific surcharges, what might be all different. Okay. Uh, the acronyms will be different. Yeah. Um, so that that more, is a more challenge. <laughs> more acronyms, exactly. What's what we need in in global trade. Um, so that that will be a challenge for shippers to actually differentiate across their six different carriers. Yeah. You know. Uh, which charge relates, you know, which charge relates to the bunker. But I, I think quickly they'll, you know, should be able to figure that out. But what we're seeing probably is is a is a shift towards an isolated line item. So we should be able to see our um, whether it be a low sulphur surcharge. There's probably two ways that it can be applied on an invoice. Is it'll either be a low sulphur surcharge, which is a specific, um, 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 I guess, low sulphur cost. Or it will be a more of a floating bunker element, which is um, obviously a direct link to the full fuel price, um, yeah. which is um, being required to meet the IMO compliance. So they would be the two things of how they're going to land on anyone's desk. And depending on how the rates are structured with the shippers at the minute, um, you know, if it's northbound commodity trade, they're typically all in rolled up rates. So that will be a, you know, potentially a shift away from those historically rolled in rates to, to, to um, um, base plus bunker, which is sort of going back in time a bit. But um, um, yeah, so we could see some, um, some changes in the way that, that, that happens in the market. Um, um, so yeah, shippers just need to probably be um, aware of these potential things coming and um, yeah, but I guess work to identify across the different carriers um, how the different costs are being applied. Yeah, yeah. And so, and just lastly, um, so shippers, uh, sorry, carriers will obviously be looking to become as efficient as possible because fuel is is now more, um, you know, more volatile. Uh, do you think that the practice of uh, slow steaming will become widespread? Do you think transit time sort of uh, could be increased a little because of this? I think the slow steaming element has a, has a fair bit to play play out. I, I don't think I don't see that happening immediately. Yeah. I think in the some of the recent information we've seen out of the IMO is that it, it might be a it might play a role, but I think there are um, there are implications to particularly an area like Australia around um, yeah. um, what that actually means. Uh, I guess if you start to slow steam to then keep the same levels of service, do you have to introduce additional vessels which completely offset the intention around the slow steaming in the first place? So I think there's a fair bit to play out that yet. I mean, vessels have been, um, I, I guess, working on optimising speeds to around fuel use anyway. So um, mm. look, I think that, that I don't see that happening in the short term um, yeah. because of those, some of those um, complexities, but um, certainly something that will, um, have to keep an eye on. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, that's great. Well, I think you've given a, a great overview on, um, you know, what it is and what's happening. Um, I, I guess only time will tell exactly how the industry, um, you know, manages that. Um, I think, as you said, I think the key is that, you know, he's communicating these extra charges. They, they, they're coming and they're going to be volatile. Um, and if they're not explained properly to to people along the supply chain, it's it's not going to be, taken up very well so i think hopefully we see you know um some really good communications around that to just try and um you know keep people happy <laughs> correct yeah absolutely
Okay, great. Well, um, yeah, thanks, Michael. I really appreciate your time, um, giving great insight. And um, yeah, we'll um, chat to you soon. Thanks, Ben. Appreciate it. Thanks. Cheers. Bye.